Well, I don't feel like I'm a part of the everyday American society, and I don't want to be, let me tell you. Okay? I do my damnedest to tear it down. A governor's task force has determined that punk rockers are society's new subversives and must be treated as such. Taxation is theft. Oh! God damn it, motherfucker! We're talking peace, love, and honor. FBI is feeling the heat. Your own conscience, your own morality, your own decision, your own self. You alone can do it. There is no authority but yourself. The BR Hates Fed Show. Welcome to the Rice Fields, motherfuckers. What's up, lads and ladies? I'm BR, and I hate feds, and today is Friday the 16th of July, 2021. And I'm a few days behind my regularly scheduled show, because July is a absolute madhouse for me, so I apologize for that. To make it up to you, I'm going to try and do something a little bit different, and a little bit more utilitarian and useful for everyone. A little bit more informational. Um, kind of uh, more in the vein of Pat Watson, uh, Uncensored Tactical. As you've probably seen from the title, uh, today's episode is about how to own a gun. And before you click off, uh, this is not just for brand new gun owners, although this will be more pointed towards people who, you know, you might you might have followed myself and other people in the Liberty community for a minute. Um, you might be someone who's never really been a gun guy, but you support the idea of it. Perhaps you've just been too young and you're becoming of age and you, you can now carry but you don't know where to start because, you know, there's so much information out there. So many people trying to, um, trying to shill you one product or another. And it's really hard to know who to trust. So I've got, <laughs> I've got nothing to sell you in, to, in, the, in this realm of things, at least. I just want you guys to, you know, have the knowledge to protect yourselves. Um, I myself do a fair bit of fire, firearm instruction and have done over the years. And, um... Yeah, I just want kind of like a, a base level where to start for, for everyone. So kind of all the frequently asked questions um, just in the universe of carrying a gun for the first time. And, or owning a gun for the first time. Also, we haven't been, we haven't been talking about guns too much. So we're going to change that right here. Without all of that NRA bullshit, without any... Without too much of a political bias, of course there's going to be my own inputs and stuff in terms of legality. You know, as, as far as I'm concerned, you should be able to own whatever you need to protect yourself. Um, it's entirely situational, situationally dependent, and the government has absolutely no fucking clue what you as an individual need for your situation, which is why we end up with, um, well, laws like in England where women can't carry a taser or pepper spray <laughs> or any, so much as a locking knife uh, on their walk home. And I think that's absolutely abysmal. So uh, I just want to talk about yeah, how to adequately defend yourself, whether you're you know seven foot tall and built like a brick shit house, or uh, you know you're five feet tall and weigh eighty pounds soaking wet. I want you to be able to defend yourself. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And also, I'm going to be talking about how to help um, spread this kind of knowledge. How to you know, maybe maybe you're already a gun guy, but you just don't really know what the right way to, I don't know, get your girlfriend, your mother-in-law, your um, acquaintances, friends, strangers into shooting. And that's something that I've 
oddly done a pretty good job of in my personal life. Like, I guess I'm kind of disarming because, you know, no, no one expects me to be a total gun nut. And so I've been able to uh, kind of approach people like, oh yeah, you're interested in shooting? And they're like, oh, you know something about it? I know everything about it. <laughs> not not everything. I'm not going to be that up my ass in this. But, um, you know, I know a lot. I've been shooting my damn near my entire life. Uh, always thought self-defense was, you know, an essential part of firearms ownership, uh, despite the legality of my home country. Yeah, let's just, let's just jump right into it. Um, I want to walk you through my personal process as both a learner and a teacher. So I'm going to kind of do like, you know, from the, the newbie perspective and then the educated perspective and take everything I say with a grain of salt. It's all my own personal findings, my own personal techniques. Everyone is a little bit different and there's going to be a lot of, you know, fo focus on that individualism. There's no 100% right way to do everything all the time. Except for firearm safety. That, <laughs> that is non-negotiable. Um, anyway, so where do we start? Do you need to buy a pistol or a rifle first? That's what a lot of, um, a lot of libertarians consider. I mean, you know, we're, we're out here, there's a terrifying purveyor of state violence. Um, you know, surely I need a rifle. Surely that should be my first concern. And while that might be kind of the natural instinct, and, you know, some people are restricted by age limits in states. I'm not sure if that's federal or not. Um, I probably should know that, but legality has been less and less of a concern in my mind. To some people, you know, maybe you're only able to buy a rifle right now. And, you know, fair enough. If you're starting early, if you have the money to, um, I would say work your ass off, buy yourself a quality rifle if that's all you can get. But if you're capable of buying a carry pistol first, that's what I would recommend. Carry pistol, you are much more likely to, you know, need um, than a rifle. There's just so much more utility, and that's, again, going to be the, the kind of perspective for this episode, is the utilitarian mindset. What's practical, what's realistic? Before any of this, uh, you know, having medical knowledge is absolutely an essential part of, um, you know, carrying a gun. You should be able to know how to plug yourself up, have a quality cat tourniquet on you, um, attend a stop the bleed course, and yeah, you, you know, that's, you're much more likely to use first aid knowledge than you are a pistol, and then you're much more likely to use a pistol than you are a rifle, in terms of a self-defense scenario, um, outside the home at the very least. <clears throat> anyway, we're going to get into all of that so much to cover in this episode, I'm going to try and dive in as quick as I can without babbling too much. Alright, so what kind of pistol should you get? My personal approach has always been a Glock, but, you know, that's me. I'm uh, I'm not trying to put lipstick on a pig, as, as many FUDs will say, and uh, God, God help you if you don't know what a FUD is yet and you listen to this show, but uh, for those familiar with Looney Tunes, Elmer FUD, you know, gonna catch me a wabbit. When gun guys say FUD, they're referring to um, older gun owners who kind of have very antiquated views on self-defense, on firearms ownership. They There's generally not much science, more just urban myth behind their opinions and, you know, kind of uh, pseudoscience. <laughs> what, what they've seen from, you know, putting holes in paper and they think that translates to, uh, you know, to the human body. So... 
you know, always take... And, you know, there's lots of people with good knowledge out there who are older. That's, I am absolutely ageist. I, <laughs> but, um, yeah, do, do take those older kind of NRA guys' opinions with a big, big dumping of salt. Anyway, um, so yeah, I, I personally like Glocks. Um, from a prepper mindset, Glock is the most, you know, aftermarket-supported and widely used handgun in the United States. Probably Canada as well, but, I mean, Canada doesn't have any rights, so not so relevant to the conversation. Um, but a 9mm Glock, so I carry a Glock 19. Um, that's probably the most common handgun uh, concealed carry in the United States. Um, it can take the same magazine as a Glock 17, which is generally the um, go-to police handgun. Um, 9mm is inc an incredibly common round. Well, these days, less so, but in terms of, um, in terms of use, it's, you know, it, it is the pistol round, uh, in, in the 21st century. It has a, a pretty good carry capacity, a double stack magazine, so you have both, uh, single stack and double stack, uh, magazines. Single stack means, you know, kind of old school, like your 1911s, what you see in kind of World War II films can only carry like you know under 10 rounds generally pretty pretty small and in a self-defense scenario doesn't matter how good of a shot you are you can be as dead-eye as you like having more rounds is absolutely better you know you know if you have uh, multiple assailants or you know adrenaline you're not gonna be shooting in a self-defense scenario anywhere near as good as you will at the range um, self-defense scenario should always be regarded as worst-case scenario kind of conditions so you want to prepare for those worst-case scenario conditions as much as possible. Having more ammunition on hand is essential. Um, being able to see your target, essential. Uh, we'll get into weapon accessories though later. So there, there should be like real common sense thought process behind which handgun you select. And so um, for many for many women, you know, they'll go to the gun counter and they'll be recommended, you know. Whatever's pink in the display case, and that's usually some kind of, some kind of revolver. Um, oh yeah, never jams. Uh, you know, it's got six shots in a kind of like like 38 special caliber. Um, a lot of the time they won't have a weapon rail. Not always, but a lot of the time um, they won't. And if you can't put a light on the weapon, instantly disqualify that. You should not be carrying a, a an everyday carry gun without a light, in my my opinion. And that is pretty non-negotiable, and that's both from a practical and legal standpoint. Uh, the practical, like I said, you can't shoot what you can't see. If you can't identify the threat, you're in a big load of shit. Um, and then beyond that, if, if you're finding yourself in a courtroom, you know, you're not being carried by six, but you are being judged by twelve, you've survived the self-defense encounter, um, but you couldn't accurately... Because most, most attacks are going to happen in the dark, in an inopportune spot. And if you can't identify the threat, God knows what's going to happen to you in court, especially if you live in a less self-defense or gun-friendly state. So that's a, that's a big thing to consider. So absolutely disqualify any, any handgun that does not have uh, a rail to put a handgun light on. You don't have to buy it off the bat, you know, you want to get comfortable using it. Uh, it it's 
better to get the light as early as possible, especially if you do start to carry it. But if there's no ability to upgrade to carrying a light on your gun, it's not worth owning in, in terms of a, a self-defense weapon. Fine for like a, you know, a safe queen that you take out and enjoy um, recreationally or competition or whatever it might be, but in terms of a self-defense weapon, you need a light. I can't, I can't stress that enough. And like I said, we'll get into accessories in, in a little bit. Glock is my always my go-to recommendation, a 9mm Glock, uh, 19s, the best of both worlds. It's got a, it, that, that's what you call a compact handgun, so you've got the full-sized Glock 17, compact, which is the Glock 19, and then you have the subcompact, which is the Glock 26, and that, um, that so that's the smaller um, double stack, they do have a small single stack, but like I said, you want more rounds on tap. Um, and a, a Glock 26, it has 10 rounds with the, you know, standard magazine, but you can put the same magazines as a 19 or 17 in it. It'll just make the grip a little bit longer, which will kind of, um, negate the point of having a, you know, a smaller frame Glock that's easier to conceal. And these things are, you know, they have to, you have to consider them, um, depending on your, your body size, how you plan on carrying, um, things of that nature. So if you're a big guy, you live in a, a colder state, you, you know, you wear more layers. Even, even like a, you know, standard average kind of person, you could probably conceal a, a Glock 17 on you. Um, but if you're, if you're somewhere warmer where you can only wear maybe, you know, a t-shirt and shorts uh, at the height of the summer, you're going to want at least a Glock 19, if not smaller. I'm of the mindset, you know, I, I would rather print a bit more, which is when people can see your, your handgun, like kind of, you know, there, there might be like a little little bulge in your shirt or something. I'd rather print a bit more and have a more capable weapon than have something ultra discreet. But um, I also know when I need to cover up, you know, maybe I'm, if, if, I, if I'm just going to the store, no one's really giving a fuck, no one's looking at my belt line, etc. Whereas, you know, Perhaps I'm crossing into a state with less friendly carry laws, or perhaps I'm going to a uh, establishment that, you know, they might have a sign on the door that says no carrying, um, but I don't see the sign. I'm going to want to be a bit more discreet, if you get what I'm saying. So I'm not just going to be a, uh, a Glock fanboy, you know, even though that's exactly what I am, because um, I know Trigi's listening. Um, so I got to, you know, SIGs are great, unless you drop them, <laughs> um, and there's going to be an increase in aftermarket support, seeing as uh, that's what the military's adopted, and that's kind of the the new go-to um, military fanboy option. Um, I'm not the biggest SIG advocate, but they do have some, some decent models that are, in, you know, pretty popular. Uh, I don't have too much experience with them, so I can't really, you know, talk about them too much. But um, I do know they're increasingly popular, and you you have you know a similar amount of options to Glock in terms of size, carry capacity, etc. And then the same thing with CZ pistols. They're a little bit nicer. Um, they're a little bit more expensive than the previous two options. Yeah, good quality stuff. You know, European. We make good things apparently. And then brands to avoid, like uh, you know, some guns might be a bit more expensive, even a, even a Glock might be expensive comparatively to something like a Ruger or a Taurus, 
but um, I would really advise against carrying guns like that. They have less less dependable reliability, and you know, so, uh, waiting another week or two to have a handgun, unless you're you know fearing for your life, like a you know potentially a, a stalker or something. Um, it's better to wait a week or two more and put you know an extra hundred, two hundred bucks into something that you're going to be, uh, you know, placing your your life behind. It's what you're relying on to protect your life. So think of it as the one of the most important insurance, um, one of the most important insurances you'll take out on your own life. So consider that when you're um, buying accessories, buying handguns. Do your research. Don't take just my word for it or anyone else. Um, you know, really look into it. Know what you're spending your money on. Get your money's worth and make sure it's adequate for your needs. So it's a little bit harder to find handguns right now because there was a big, a big rush on them during the pandemic. Everyone suddenly realizing they, uh, they might need to protect protect themselves because you can't depend on cops uh, <laughs> to do their job. Or even if you call them and they show up on time, which is not the most common thing. Um, they're just as liable to shoot you as they are the person aggressing against you. So, unfortunately, your life is truly your own responsibility in terms of defending it. Um, so, once you've, you know, bought your handgun, um, you want to get some digestible training in. And so, now I'm going to get more into kind of the, you know, uh, mentor and mentee, the instructor and the learner. So, you want... I always focus on nice digestible training, like there is so much to learn in terms of firearms and, you know, for, for new people, even if you're comfortable with the idea of firearms or you, you know, you support the idea of carrying, but, um, you know, potentially you don't come from a, a gun-friendly family, you're kind of branching out for the first time, whatever it might, whatever your scenario might be, it's a lot of knowledge to take in, there's so much stuff, and so it's very easy to take someone out to the range and just dump knowledge on them, and you know, we don't want to intimidate people, we want them to keep on coming back and keep on getting that training in. So, I like to break it up. Firstly, I, I prefer public land because I'm way more in control of the uh, of what's going on. You know, find somewhere nice and quiet, you don't want to take someone out to, uh, to the desert where people have, you know, a bottle of Tito's in their back pocket. Um, I've absolutely fucking been there and it was atrocious. We set up our range, and these these guys just pull up next to us. Hey, can we shoot next to you? Yeah, sure. You seem nice enough. You know, not really enough room. And uh, they start shooting above big boulders. Guy has a bottle of vodka in his back pocket. Fucking idiots. Um, that that was not a good place to take a new shooter. And unfortunately, I was teaching someone that day. So and and someone else okayed them rolling up next to us. So uh, not ideal. You want to you know find somewhere nice and quiet where you can set up targets where you need to and focus on specifically what you're practicing that day. So I like to start with um, you know, firearm safety. Pull up the four firearm safety rules. So of course, I mean, many of you will already know these, but uh, number one, <laughs> most importantly, always treat every firearm as though it is loaded. So no matter where, you know, what condition we know the weapon to be in, whether you've just emptied it, you've checked uh, the internals, you know, barrels clear, magazines clear and out, and the rear of the action is clear, you still treat it like it's loaded because people fuck up. Um, you never know if it's going to be, you know, good to go if someone's grabbed it when you weren't looking. 
Um, and we will make mistakes, you know, we're human. Uh, Sky Knight hasn't won yet. Um, so number two, never let the muzzle cover anything you're not willing to destroy. Same reason. Uh, if, if the gun, you know, it's just lying there and then it's, you know, someone walks out in front of it, you got to be, you got to keep people behind the muzzle. you got to, usually it's nice to have a table and just put it, you know, towards the target, lay your guns out and then have a nice space behind where everyone can kind of come back and be away from, you know, where the muzzle are pointing, keep them all pointing in one direction, all that good stuff. Um, number three, keep your finger off the trigger until your sights are on the target. So even if you're, you know, handling the gun, it's pointing in a safe direction, we just want to get in a good practice of finger off the trigger unless you're actively engaging a target. And so, you know, when you're, for, for the instructor, you want to be able to, you want to teach your people, um, when that kind of point is. So right until they're actually on the target, okay, and now finger on the trigger. And it should be like a very comfortable and natural habit that they, you know, show them where to put their finger on the weapon. It might seem really obvious to you, you know, trigger discipline, it's, you know, every single photo on the internet uh, is critiqued, w involving firearms is critiqued on whether someone's, you know, keeping their finger in a good spot. So, um, you know, know your firearms, know where is a safe spot, um, be very aware of that kind of thing with new shooters, because we want to build good habits, that's the, and, and, and for the, uh, for people learning too, good habits is, you know, the fundamental thing behind good firearm safety, we, we want to get in a natural process of, you know, not, not pointing the weapon off target, you know, in terms of like, uh, you know, coming off target and then turning and, and pointing the gun in the wrong direction, we want to just naturally be like, okay, even if I'm looking, you know, off behind me or to my right, I'm still keeping the firearm in a safe direction, finger off the trigger, we treat it like it's always dangerous and loaded, because it has the potential to be. And number four, be sure of your target and what is beyond it. So, um, we always want a good backstop, uh, a lot of people, you know, might roll up into the desert, see like an abandoned shack or something, and a lot of people, you know, they might just light it up for, for funsies, and if you're out in the flat desert, you don't know what the hell's going on. Um, you don't know if there's someone, I mean, Christ, there could be a crackhead in there, you know, a squatter or whatever. God, could could be a bunch of propane tanks. Christ only knows, you know. We we have no idea what's in there. Uh, and, and the same for just, you know, out on a flat, completely flat range. It just goes on for miles, especially if you're out in the desert and there's brush. No idea what animals are out there, if there's someone else perhaps walking nearby. Um, we want to see our backstop, we want to know where those bullets are hitting. Even if our target's in front of it, we want to know there is something that can stop that bullet. Not just, you know, thick brush. We want a nice mound that will take all of the energy out of the round. We know it's, you know, everything we're doing is safe. So, you know, it, it sounds like sounds like a lot, all in one. But um, there's all sorts of good graphics you can pull up that kind of break it down, makes it very digestible. Hey, how's it going guys? I just want to take a quick second to answer a question I get quite a bit these days. So a lot of people ask me, BR, how can I support what you do, your shows, and all that good stuff? The best way to do that is to check out my lifestyle brand, Liberty Punk Inc. 
Covering all of your niche political shirts, stickers, and flags needs. Everything from slaps that are weatherproof, can go on your car, go on your hydro flask, all that good stuff, to full-sized flags you can fly outside your house, fly at rallies, present something a little bit different, our Peace, Autonomy, and Liberty, or our Anarcho Betsy flag are always popular. We have a whole ton of clothing options too, of course, and you can stop wearing all that grunt-style shit and start wearing something that truly shows off your belief in actual liberty. Best way to find all that is to search Liberty Punk Inc. online, or you can go directly to spiritofresistance.com, find the Liberty Punk Inc. collection, or you can follow the link in the description of any of my solo show videos and find my store that way. Every purchase supports me and what I do, Spirit Resistance, and we have a part for Liberty Community Issues. If you pick something up, feel free to tag me. Thanks for all your support, guys. Let's get back to the show. And from there, we can get into actual live fire stuff. So, you know, show people, um, may, if, if you're a mentor, make a, a, a good effort of, of um, showing how to clear a weapon, even before you actually kind of instruct how to show that weapon's clear. Just make a, make a good habit yourself as an instructor to show that you've made a weapon safe, you know. Uh, locking a slide to the rear, magazine out, all that good stuff, and then showing, you know, three-point check. So that's that's how I like to, uh, you know, show a pistol's clear. You know, chamber, nothing in the front. Magazine's out, and nothing's in the magazine area, clear. And the rear of the action, make sure nothing's there. So that takes us to a point where we're not just, you know, looking in the barrel, calling it good. We never know if something's been locked up back, which it happens. Stranger things have certainly happened. Um... And just make a good habit of showing that's clear. So then, once they, once you show them how to clear it and how to demonstrate it's clear, they're already they've had a visual kind of demonstration of how to how to do it. And then it's just kind of you know conducive to to good habits, which is what we really want to be building. So then we get into live weapon handling. So, some people like to you know play around with snap caps, uh, you know, basically plastic ammunition, fake stuff that has no ability to fire. You can get them at any kind of uh, firearm store. These are useful um, for all sorts of different purposes, like teaching how to clear a jam, um, and even just showing how a weapon cycles. Um, you know, I generally haven't used them at, at, at this early stage, because uh, I feel like kind of there's a certain buildup of excitement. You kind of want to just get a, uh, you know, after you do the appropriate safety training, you just want to get someone to, to shoot a gun, kind of get over that anticipation, that kind of, um, you know, little bit of anxiety, that's, and, and stress, as an instructor, that it's perfectly natural to have, and, and to people learn it. It's completely natural to be like, oh fuck, it's kind of a lot, you know? I always try and start people either on, like, a 9mm, or if they're, like, a, you know, a really small person, either, like, a younger, younger person, or, you know, a, a really small lady or whatever, uh, maybe I'll get a 22 in their hand, because then, you know, you get a few rounds off with a 22, you know, zip, 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 it feels like a fucking toy. And confidence building is how you get to good safety. If you just chuck, like, unfortunately, one time I was in, uh, I was in New York State teaching a friend how to shoot, and really tiny girl, you couldn't rent handguns in New York, which I thought was the most fucking absurd thing. The smallest thing they had in the gun store was a 9mm carbine, which I didn't particularly love. I thought it was a small enough gun for her. She shot it, and she was so fucking nervous, she hit the side of the range. Like, the, the walls of the range. Completely empty. And I'm pretty sure they didn't notice, so I didn't get charged for it. But, um, 
she was so nervous to shoot, despite all my best efforts, uh, that she hit the side of the range. And admittedly, she was an anti-gun Nazi, so. Uh, only so much I could do there. Um, but confidence building is how you get good safety. If someone's first experience, which, you know, you see a lot of assholes, they'll just chuck a three fifty seven in the, the hands of their tiny girlfriend, and you even see points where, you know, someone will pull the trigger, and they'll... It's happened before where large caliber handguns have swung back and then they've pulled the trigger a second time and shot themselves. And, you know, that that's that's a lot to hear if you're a new shooter, but just know your know your ability. Never, it, even, you might be a, a new learner and you might have a shitty instructor, unfortunately. Never let them just, you know, force you into something that you're uncomfortable with because learning is completely your own process. Don't let anyone pressure you into doing anything that you're uncomfortable with. Because a lot of these guys, you know, they want a cheap laugh rather than to teach good fundamentals and, you know, to get you into it, into um, good, healthy kind of standards. So, anyway, live weapon handling, um, like I said, I like to start with 22 with most people. It's kind of a really good confidence builder because it feels like a toy and by the time they've shot, like, you know, two, three magazines, they're like, alright, what's next? Instead of being like, okay, well, I'll, you know... Let's see how far we get. Something else in that kind of uh, mindset is when you when you go to a range, you know, a lot of people are tempted to chuck, when you're taking someone out to the range for the first time, you know, chuck everything and the kitchen sink in the back of the truck. I like to, you know, have, have a good, have a good set. <clears throat> I usually carry a, you know, a 22, a 9mm pistol and a like a 22 long rifle just because it's very easy to handle and you have lots of muzzle which makes it kind of safer to handle for someone who's learning muzzle discipline once they have got that down move them onto a 9mm pistol and then I spend the majority of the first kind of time teaching weapon handling and stance which I think kind of go hand in hand um, a lot of people they like kind of lax on stance until later um, and then you know you're I, I get people to have a, a proper rifleman stance on a twenty-two, so then when they move up to a two-two-three, it's like nothing, and and you know even bigger three hundred eight seven six two whatever whatever, um, and it's nice to teach someone proper stance on a small caliber and tell them you know you're gonna have basically no recoil. This is almost a toy. Still be safe. It's still a weapon. It can still kill, but it's almost a toy. It's not gonna have much recoil. Nothing to really be concerned about. But, I want to teach you good fundamentals right now, so then I can put anything else in your hand, and you're going to handle a recoil very safely. So yeah, then I move on to weapon handling. So that's everything from being able to load a magazine yourself, uh, you know, shooting, of course, uh, proper grip, proper stance, lining up the sights, the, the very most basic essentials. Marksmanship, I leave until next time, because, you know, like, like a little bit on breathing, a little bit on what to do with your eyes and stuff. And kind of, you know, sh should I lock out my elbows? Should I have a little bit of a bend? All that kind of stuff. Um, and also teaching people, you know, what to do with their weight. Because a lot of people, you know, they might put the weight on the wrong foot or not. And essentially, um, you can show them this without a weapon in their hand. But just get them to, you know, hold two fists out in front of them. Kind of like they're holding a, a weird potato or something. Like kind of kind of a pistol grip. But just, and then, and then show them like, you know, a little shove. Uh, either, you know, in um, in a pistol shooting stance and show them, 
how you can move them if they're just standing, you know, kind of leaning back, which is what a lot of people are inclined to do, versus if they're leaning into it and, you know, you, you can't budge them. And once you get that into their head, they're like, oh, cool. And, you know, everyone's dance a little bit different. We're all built a little bit differently. So um, there's no 100% right way. Like, I generally, you know, I'll, I'll nudge people's feet a little bit. I'll, I'll help them, you know, push their back in a little bit, kind of help them get that natural stance. But in the end, it's like whatever's comfortable for you, whatever, you know, keeps you the most stable. Because it might look... A little bit off. You have to give a little bit of freedom with uh, with what's most stable from. That's what's most important. Not necessarily what looks the best, but what is the most stable. Um, and you know, same for if you're being taught this, whatever feels most stable for you. Um, so yeah, then maybe I I might even leave marksmanship like proper stress of marksmanship until the next lesson, unless I'm, you know, everyone's comfortable with a full range day. Maybe I'll take you know, a little lunch in between weapon handling and marksmanship, so we can kind of go over the, uh, you know, what we learned in the first part, kind of digest it, um, and that's why I also like shooting on public land, because, or, you know, private property, whatever it might be, uh, somewhere where you can take off your ear defenders, the closest shooting is, you know, 200 meters away, and you can just kind of be like, okay, how do you think, are you good? Um, any concerns, anything you want to go over again, and then move on to marksmanship. And that kind of, that kind of helps break it up. I, I'd rather someone just be putting rounds all over a hill and handle a weapon very safely and be very confident in manipulating, or, you know, not very, but, but pretty confident in manipulating a weapon prior to getting into, okay, now let's make sure you're nailing that target. Not everyone's going to be Annie Oakley in the first day, but you can get pretty fucking good with, you know, if, if you break it up, let people digest that stuff. And from there, weapon clearing is kind of where it gets, you know, if, if someone's really moving along good, then I might get into weapon clearing. Before that, I'll just tell them, you know, if, if it jams on you, just keep it aimed down range, tell me, I'll come up, you know, safely take it out of your hands, and then clear it, and, and also I'll, you know, I'll show them how I've cleared it and explain what went wrong, you know, it's it's nothing you were doing, unless they were like limp-wristing it, in which case that's another thing to go into, um, and then from there, you know, it, it might be a, an organic thing where you teach someone, you know, oh, well, it jammed, this happens sometimes, this is what you need to know for both, you know, practical reasons just to manipulate the thing, and also in a self-defense scenario, it's very important to, to know how to clear these rapidly. Um, but that's something that takes time, takes practice, definitely something that can be re revisited another day. Just getting someone shooting and having that, you know, big smile on their face, they've accomplished something, they've learned some shit, that is a big fucking win in, in my book. From there, I, uh, yeah, a little bit of movement, even if it's just walking from cone to cone, left and right, uh, while focusing on a target, that kind of thing, very important, you don't want to just be stationary in a self-defense scenario, and you know, I keep on saying self-defense because that is principally what I, I teach people to do. They're like, I'm kind of considering carrying a gun, don't know where to start. You know, they might not have any kind of in, but they they just know it's something they can do. And, and so that's why I focus on. You know, competition shooters, that's an entirely different world to me. Might want to ask Miss Buckles about that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, self-defense is, you know, where I kind of, my mindset is. 
Um, and so also cover versus concealment. That's something you can naturally talk about if you're, you know, if you're shooting a paper, you, you can kind of say, you know, a bunch of cardboard boxes, that's concealment. So you see how our rounds are completely ripping through both sides. You know, maybe you go in and inspect the target. This is just concealment. It's not cover. It's not going to stop a bullet. It's not, you know, something that's safe to stay behind if someone has seen you. Uh, and, and whereas cover is something hard, it's going to take the energy out of the round. It's going to protect you, you know. Um, and then from there, you know, you can get into basic scenarios, kind of, uh, you know, explain the 21-foot rule in terms of someone coming at you with a knife, uh, various things like that, kind of what is a natural um, point to draw a weapon from, kind of in terms of range and stuff, maybe multiple assailants, reloading under stress, and, you know, a shot timer can help with this. Uh, not 100% essential. I'm not, like, a Nazi about times because... At, at the minute, all of that can degrade pretty quickly. It's, it's a good metric, absolutely. But um, I, I really haven't used much, much timing in the instruction I've done so far. Um, maybe that's to my detriment. Maybe I'm really missing a trick. But so far, it just hasn't been a big part when I'm teaching kind of fundamentals. Yeah, you just want to get into all the basic kind of things that might come up. All the, the worst case scenarios in a self-defense thing. That You know, the common ones. And, you know, like, uh, drawing from concealed, uh, get, get them to start out by doing it, you know, kind of slow, because we don't want to, <laughs> don't want anyone putting a bullet in their leg, just, alright, you know, reach, pull, present, all that kind of stuff, maybe even unloaded, just to get the action down, and then start, you know, from conceal, present, shoot, aware of your surroundings, all that kind of stuff, all those good fundamentals, not stressing time initially, just, um, kind of the, that muscle memory. And then from there, you can get into more advanced scenarios once they've kind of got those down. And be sure to always check in on those fundamentals, make sure there's no bad habits developing just, you know, because they're not being uh, paid attention to as much as the scenarios anymore. It's absolutely possible to pick up bad habits again. I just, uh, <laughs> I just took um, my lady's mother to the range and not that she messed up, but the range safety officer did. He uh, he pulled his belt off. I can't remember if I spoke about this last week or not. Perhaps I did. But anyway, for the purpose of, of this episode as, as a self-contained entity, he uh, he's wearing a tactical gun belt, and he took it off. Uh, after explaining, you know, don't point your guns at each other, blah, 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 all that kind of safety spiel, they just rattle off like a robot. Um, and then the guy pulls off his gun belt with his, his pistol in holster, I don't know if it has a round in it or not, and flags about six lanes. And the only reason we were at a, you know, a gun range was because, um, my lady's mother, she wasn't quite comfortable with going out to the desert yet, and that's completely a personal preference. Um, I would much rather take someone out to public land, but if the only way to get them to get over that hurdle of just going out and shooting for the first time is to go to a range, you know, sometimes it's a uh, necessary evil. <laughs> I don't like to, uh, I don't like to accept many necessary evils in my life, but that is, as a baby step, acceptable to me. That right there proved why I, I don't like this, this kind of thing, taking people to a range. Range safety officers, I mean, their job is to espouse safety shit all day, every day, and 
it's just, you know, you can fall out of practice, you can get rusty, you can not even hear what you're saying to people. And that's exactly what he fucking did. Flagged six of us with a, a potentially loaded pistol. Because we don't fucking know. We have zero idea. Never point your pistol at anything you're not willing to destroy. So, anyway. Keep on revisiting those fundamentals as you're teaching people more advanced stuff. You know, never, never, never feel bad about just checking in and being like, alright, you know, how's this, how's that, um, hey, be a bit more careful with that, and never, like, you never want to be like, oh, fuck, around a new shooter, like, have a little bit of fucking balls, if someone, if someone's really dangerous and careless, then you need to, you know, wind it down and step it back a little bit, and get back to fundamentals before you do anything more advanced, before you hand them, you know, a binary trigger, a full auto, something a bit more exciting and hard to control, um, you know, always, it's always okay to step it back and to be like, alright, I think we need to revisit this. Because it's not just, you know, for your own safety, it's it's for everyone's, it's for theirs. Um, if, if they start developing bad habits, slow it down. Everyone learns at a different pace, just because someone didn't learn it in a day, or just because a previous person did learn it in a day, doesn't mean it will take just a day for the next person. Um, it's, you know, that's the hard thing about teaching, patience. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta know everyone's different, and sometimes you have to do things a little bit differently. So that's all the kind of, kind of my general process for getting people into it. Once you kind of get them into the scenario thing, um, at that stage it's more kind of, you know, always be there to help with advice if they need it, um, invite them out shooting, you know. Even bring them along when you when you're bringing new shooters, and uh, you can kind of touch base with them, help them get started on maybe some new stuff that you've you know you can help them with, as well as get them to assist teaching new people, and that'll help kind of cement those good habits, because um, teaching is the best way to you know um, touch up on those things like those range safety officers that the one I'm on about, he was a young guy, he's probably not teaching people yet, and. Uh, I say young guy is my fucking age, but he's clearly not doing much instruction, more just, you know, watching the range, uh, getting some lead poisoning in. But um, he's not, like, reteaching those fundamentals, or necessarily even practicing them. And that, you know, you get rusty, you slip. And if you're teaching new people, you're kind of, you know, re-cementing, re-learning, and keeping those ideas fresh, which is overall just good for you. You know, you don't have to, like, spend all your time doing that stuff, but just revisiting them and teaching others is a great way to kind of keep those ideals going. Um, you know, never, never forget where you come from and never think you're too good to, to not fuck up. Because I've absolutely made mistakes while teaching people. Nothing, nothing cat catastrophic, I've never negligently discharged in my life, but I've, you know, I, I've, uh, I've left a gun pointing the wrong way and I've been like, oh fuck it, you know, I didn't think someone was going to sit there and then they did. Whereas I could have had it in a safer spot. You know, very minor mistakes. We we knew the gun was unloaded. No one was handling it. But um, just very little things like that. And they kind of wake you up. And you're like, okay, I need to do better. So, you know, we all make mistakes. We're all human. Keep that in mind. You can, you're never too good to not fuck up. Um, so on to kind of more like, long-term training stuff, once people get to practicing scenarios and, you know, maybe even coming along with you to help teach new people, have regular range days, stuff like that, they can be a bit more autonomous with how they learn, you know, you can kind of point them in a good direction in terms of resources, 
I mean, YouTube is filled. I, I always like what Lucas Botkin at T-Rex Arms is doing. You know, love him or hate him for uh, personal reasons, whatever. Um, he does put out a lot of good content in terms of uh, videos where people can just take in knowledge, practice on their own, whether it's dry firing or live range time, and kind of keep on practicing those fundamentals without needing to spend, you know, 500 bucks at a time for a, a single weekend class. Not that those classes are overrated by any means, they're very good to go to, but you can do so much on your own and then keep that money for, for ammunition. I think occasional, like, proper range days when you can afford them, or proper instruction courses when you can afford them, are excellent. You should absolutely be looking into those. It takes a lot of research to find good ones, but um, rather than just, you know, someone who's stood in a tower in fucking Afghanistan and thinks they're, uh, thinks they're a Green Beret, or even a Green Beret who thinks he's, you know, <laughs> like, hot shit but, but didn't do much. Anyway, do your research, look at reviews, ask around. Uh, you know, it's, it's a very mixed bag with instructors out there. So I think the best thing you can do is really just get reps in, um, spend money on ammunition above all else buy a decent firearm, and then buy ammunition, and then from there, as you can afford it in terms of accessories. This will be a controversial one, but cleaning is less necessary in modern firearms than boomers will stress. Uh, don't discount proper maintenance by any means, but a Glock or a good quality AR, or, you know, really any kind of decent quality modern firearm, it won't be too too precious about about being cleaned. Usually, you know, a Glock, clean it every thousand rounds or so, same with an AR. Um, some people, you know, if, if you have the time, if you have the, the if, if that's where your mind's at, you value that over everything. I mean, ideally, you'd clean it after every time you go shooting, but, I mean, it's just not 100% necessary anymore if you buy decent stuff, so, something to, you know, something to consider, something, um might put new gun owners at kind of a, a little bit of ease. It's not, you know, life or death if you get home and you don't clean your gun. You know, just make sure you clean it periodically. Uh, if you're in bad conditions, you know, mud, rain, etc., make sure you clean it then. But in general, like, you know, shooting two to five hundred rounds in one session isn't going to, you know, your gun's not going to be dying on you, I should hope. Every thousand rounds or so is absolutely fine to clean it. Oh, and then ammunition. So, something that not everyone really considers when they're getting into firearms is different types of ammunition. It's kind of a big scary world where you, you know, you buy your first pistol and then you're presented with this, well, in previous times, you know, this mass of different ammo types and you have to figure out what you need. All sorts of different grains, all sorts of different types. Um... And so here's how it essentially breaks down. So you've got, you know, training ammunition, which could be full metal jacket or frangible if you're shooting steel up close. And what that what that does is essentially instead of having potential ricochets when you're shooting um, steel, which really only matters if it's like a solid, um, like staying in place target rather than either a, uh, a target at an angle that'll you know, kind of send the round and any debris into the dirt, you know, if it's at a kind of a, an angle to you, or uh, if it's not swinging, because if it's swinging, that will also help kind of prevent ricochets. 
Um, so frangible, it'll just it'll hit and basically turn to dust. You can be, you know, with some some of these ammunitions, you can be like a few feet away, just blasting a steel target and be fine. So that's why you you know you might see all that Gucci stuff on Instagram where people are just wasting steel targets at close range. Be a little bit mindful of that. They're probably using frangible ammunition. That's something to to be mindful of. Um, and then for carry, you don't want full metal jacket ammunition for carry in general. Most targets you're going to be dealing with are going to be squishy, they're not going to be wearing body armor. You're going to want a hollow point. So what a hollow point does, it's got kind of a a gap or like kind of a, a hole at the top. Once that impacts flesh, that's going to kind of rose petal out, become a even bigger round. So you might hear a boomer say, you know, oh, we want stopping power. When they're talking about, you know, pistol rounds, they'll try and push like a 45 or something on you instead of 9mm. But modern 9mm hollow points, they can expand as big as a 45 or, you know, a little bit smaller. Uh, if you're talking about hollow points, obviously a 45 hollow point, fucking massive. Big wound channels are better, but having more ammunition kind of trumps that in my book. If you're dealing with, you know, you, you never know um, when it, what's going to make a threat stop and how many assailants are potentially going to be there. Most people, you know, if they're going to, if they're planning on attacking someone, they're going to do it in a group. So I'd much rather have, you know, 16, 18 rounds on tap that are hollow point 9mm rather than only a handful of, of 45 that, you know, I got to get on target, which is not guaranteed if I'm in an unideal situation, if I'm potentially grappling with people, if I'm stressed, fucking taken by surprise, my fucking adrenaline is dumping, um, I'd, I'd much rather have more rounds that have the, you know, hollow points, um, 9mm hollow points are perfectly capable of putting someone down, um, they create a pretty fucking big wound channel, and personally I carry Hornady Critical Defense, not a sponsor, no one fucking sponsors this show, um, far from Liberty Punk Inc. Uh, <laughs> so... Oh, and also with that, it's important to put a few mags of whatever your planned um, self-defense ammunition is through your gun. And it's going to sting a little bit. Self-defense ammunition is a little bit more expensive, but you want to make sure it cycles, especially if you have, you know, either potentially a 3D printed gun, if you're going that route, um, a, you know, maybe an 80% pistol lower, like a P80, you know, anything... Even even a stock Glock, you just want to make sure it functions in your firearm without any issue. And, like I said, it's a little bit expensive, but uh, your life is worth, you know, more than 40 to 60 bucks buying three boxes of self-defense ammunition to put into a hill, you know? So, it's a small investment, something to kind of just, it's peace of mind. Knowing your ammunition that you carry every day is going to work for you. Alright, so pistol accessories. The very first thing is going to be a good carry holster. And this can go hand in hand with your pistol light, because often when you buy a holster, the light, once you have a light on your handgun, um, that's going to be the thing where the, the holster retains it, because, you know, most handgun lights are fairly sizable, that's kind of where the, the kydex grips it, and you definitely want a kydex holster. Unless you're a fucking cowboy. If you're carrying something like a Glock, the only manual safety is the trigger. It's a two-stage trigger. There's no, like, 
button to click, and if you're carrying with one in the chamber, which you should once you're comfortable with the firearm, the only thing keeping it safe is a good quality Kydex holster that prevents the trigger being snagged. So, on carrying around in the chamber, I think it's called Israeli carry, where you uh, <laughs> you carry without one in the chamber, and the expectation is that you're gonna do some like action movie shit. Uh, if someone assaults you, someone you know suddenly comes at you, whatever the scenario might be, you pull your handgun. You're able to rack the slide, presuming that you have both hands available, or that you you're gonna be able to rack it off your clothing uh, under stress, get it first time with with zero issue, uh, and then get a round off before you know whoever your assailant is manages to to attack you. Um, that's kind of fantasy land. I think that's pretty fucking silly. Of course, there's a, there's a time period where you have to get used to carrying a loaded weapon. For me, admittedly, when I first got here, as even though I'd spent time on Glocks before living in the US, uh, I still had to get used to carrying one in the chamber. So, firstly, I, I had to get used to carrying a, a gun in general. So, you know, just, just the comfort of wearing a holster um, with a, a, a gun on me, the weight of it, um, sitting with it while I'm driving, uh, carrying it in the store and not being freaked out. I carried without one in the chamber as, you know, part of an adjustment period. I knew I knew I needed to eventually get comfortable with carrying one in the chamber. Um, but it is it is a period, you know, you have to it's an adjustment. It's a it's a fairly big life change. And so eventually, you know, I was like, okay, well I know this isn't you know, it's perfectly safe so far and I know I trust my quality Kydex holster. Um so I started carrying one in the chamber and never had an issue. I, I just get in a good habit. I, you know, every time I'm home, I clear my gun, put it away. And every time I put it on, I rack it, safely holster it, go about my day. Not an issue. Never had an issue. Never had any kind of scare. I double check my gun sometimes because my memory's not the best. Um, you can never be too safe, you know. You, you might be a pain in someone's ass, you might make someone wait an extra 15 seconds doing some safety shit. That's way better than putting around in someone's fucking floor, your own leg, you know, a loved one. Be, be a fucking safety Nazi. That's the only, that's the only fucking pedanticness that can be tolerated <laughs> in, in my life. Um, so anyway, a quality Kydex holster. Um, I've got two brands that I particularly like that I run both their holsters. Uh, one I've mentioned previously in this episode, T-Rex Arms. Uh, they've been doing it for a while now. Um, fucking fantastic holsters. Trust them every single day. I've got the... I think it's the Ragnarok. I forget what the the exact name of it. They they have the sidecar where you can have um, you know your gun and then a magazine. I prefer to carry a second magazine um, Kydex carrier separate on my person. And then I can... I, I live in a hot part of the country. I live out west. I don't always carry a second magazine. It's not always necessary to me. I mean, obviously, more is better. More is ideal. But more is not always practical for me. So sometimes I just have to carry, you know, just my pistol. Uh, I've got 16 rounds in it. Generally, I consider that enough for my kind of... Kind of where I'm going and stuff. Kind of the, the likelihood of encountering danger. Um, but some days, if I'm wearing the right outfit, if I'm, if I consider it necessary, I carry a second magazine on me, and having a second carry, I can put that wherever on my person I need to, uh, in terms of my belt line, 
Um, so that's how I prefer to do it. Some people like to carry. Um, so I'm a four o'clock foot. So if you're if you're new to carrying and looking straight forward forward, that's twelve o'clock or appendix carry. And then around your you know person, obviously like clock face, one o'clock, two o'clock, four o'clock, six o'clock, etc. Um, I carry I carry a four o'clock. That's best for me. Most people swear by appendix. I just it just was never comfortable for me. I'm not even a fat dude. Some I've I've seen plenty of fat guys carry appendix. Uh, so the gut was always kind of a, a strange excuse. Because I've definitely seen a lot of a lot of fat guys pull it off. But um, yeah, personally not for me. Fucking uncomfortable to me. Not sure I'll ever get over it. Um, but I like I like four o'clock. Um, there's all sorts of debate on you know access to it about. No, you know, being completely in control of it. If it's appendix, you know, your hands are right there. You can kind of cover it. You can draw very quickly, uh, very, you know, very kind of um, discreetly, depending on the scenario. Um, but personally, for me, it's just I just don't find it comfortable. I just don't like it particularly. Don't let that dissuade you. Give it a go. Um, so anyway, T-Rex arms. Uh, they make the sidecar, and that's kind of ideal for appendix carry. And then also they make, you know, the Ragnarok, which is just the handgun carrying part of the holster. And uh, it has like a little little arm that keeps it in on your belt line. Um, just phenomenal. It goes inside your, for anyone who's kind of wondering how concealed carry works, the holster goes between, you know, your undergarment, if you, if you wear them, I hope you fucking do. And, uh, and, and, you know, whatever your shorts, trousers, whatever the fuck you're wearing, pants, <laughs> um, for for women, uh, I'm not not an expert on caring for women. Uh, there's plenty of people out there. Just, if you literally just look up, you know, like women CCW, uh, or get in contact with Kerry Sloan of uh, We the Female. She's got tons of phenomenal knowledge on arming women. She's definitely the resource to go to. That's Stillos and Shotguns. Uh, if you don't know of her organization, you've probably come across her on Twitter and Instagram. Um, so yeah, they, they have, uh, T-Rex arms, great options for holsters. And then the other company I've really, I really like is Gorilla Tactical. And they're, they're kind of a up and coming company, but they, they ship stuff out as quick as T-Rex arms. I've had great experiences with them. They have uh, a bunch of really cool, uh, Kydex patterns, which, you know, it's not essential that your holster looks cool, but. It's kind of nice. They they have all sorts of weird shit. They have like uh, like airport carpet patterns and flannel kydex. Uh, they have like multicam tropic, which I'm a I'm a fanboy of. All sorts of stuff. I've um, my actual pistol belt. So for more, you know, overt carry like you know range stuff is uh, my holster from is from them for that. Um, and then my carry holster at the minute is from T Rex Arms, but. I trust either of them with either, you know, both a, a uh, inside the waistband, so that's an IWB holster, and a outside the waistband holster, a OWB. So check both of those guys out. There's plenty of other good holster companies, but those are my two recommendations. Again, not sponsored, unfortunately. <laughs> um, oh, so, uh, like I said, you want to get, if, if you're looking at carrying, you want to get a light, and you want to get that around the same time as your holster. It's it's a fair bit of money to spend. You know, most most good lights cost around the one hundred to two hundred dollar mark. Uh, personally, I 
I carry a Streamlight T7A. Um, it has both a solid light and a strobe light setting. And strobe, you know, it's not just for raving. If someone's someone's coming at you, and you're, you know, you can you can flick it on. Uh, that's gonna be very fucking disorientating to someone trying to attack you, especially if you're in the dark. Uh, you're gonna fuck up their night eyes, um, and that's gonna give you the you know half second second advantage you need to to defend yourself. And every fight, if if someone's aggressing against you, it should be an unfair fight in your favor. That's what training. That's what getting the right gear is all about. So from there, you also want good night sights. I use Ameriglow suppressor hate sights, and I bought those not because I have a suppressor on my pistol. And I actually bought them before I even had a red dot on my pistol, and it's perfectly fine to have that. Suppressor height sights, you don't have to have either a suppressor or a red dot to validate having them. Um, I knew I wanted a suppressor, uh, well, I do want a suppressor in the future, I knew I wanted a red dot in the future, uh, so I bought suppressor height sights because I, I want to co-witness. So what that means for, for the newbies, or for people who haven't considered a red dot before, once you have a red dot, you know, it's a, it's a electronic device. It has the potential to fail on me, where a mechanical device, you know, wouldn't for the same reasons. I can smash my red dot, and my pistol can still be working, but my sights, my, my optic might be down. So then my suppressor height sights, instead of, you know, just being completely fucked, um, because I've only got a red dot, or my, my iron sights are too low to see through the, the window the red dot has left, my suppressor height sights, I can actually look at them through the red dot. So it's nice to have redundancies like we t like I've already talked about. Um, you want to think about worst case scenario. So if you know your optics fucked but you're still able to use your your sights and especially um, these are what do you call it tritium so they in the in complete darkness they glow and that's not only really fucking cool but um, really useful you know if I'm able to light someone up, and then I'm able to put my, my iron sights in place, because I can still see them in the dark. I'm still able to identify and then handle my threat. That's, you know, that's the difference between life and death. Between having subpar gear working for me and, and not. And then a, a red dot. A red dot is something I personally advise holding off on until you've got your, uh, like, a real confidence in shooting iron sights. I didn't grow up shooting pistols. I I had very sparse experience because pistols are just, for all intents and purposes, illegal in the UK beyond, you know, um, hoity-toity pistol shooting clubs, which are kind of a pain in the ass to get into and aren't particularly common in the, the rural bumfuck area I'm from. So I didn't have a lot of experience shooting pistols. I had great experience shooting rifles, pretty fucking cracking shot of a rifle, but Honestly, I kind of I kind of sucked with uh, with handguns for a minute. Um, I'm only really just getting confident in uh, in handgun usage. Um, so never never underestimate how difficult it is to to shoot a handgun, and uh, even just getting solid with iron sights, it's it's a short barrel, and keeping those aligned, getting good fundamentals at even you know 20 30 feet, pretty difficult uh, as a newcomer. So spend lots of time on that, and before you go and spend, you know, 300, 500 bucks on a red dot site, um, I would highly advise spending more money on ammunition, getting those good fundamentals down, gain, building that confidence, and then later on, buying the red dot site. 
So then, you know, a red dot can be a very useful tool. It can make target acquisition a lot quicker. Um, it can even help you hit out to longer ranges. You see incredible stuff uh, with pistol marksmanship where people are shooting out to 100 yards, perhaps even further, using a red dot. But if that red dot goes down, your fancy toy fucks up, you know? It, it, and, and, you know, you want to buy a good, decent quality red dot so you can fall on it, it can be smashed against cement, and hopefully it'll survive and continue functioning so you can defend yourself for using it. But it's, it's a device that can and has the, the possibility to fail. So you want to have good fundamentals with iron sights prior to kind of advancing to that, that tool, in my opinion. Um, again, utilitarian mindset. It's your money, it's your time, it's your life, do what you want. But um, that's, that's where my mindset comes from. I want to kind of build concrete foundations of skills before advancing to the next toy, before I chuck more money at something because better equipment will not make you a better shooter. Good fundamentals will. And that's something to always keep in mind. Something else to keep in mind is priority number one is surviving in a self-defense scenario. So you want to build the best tool for that you can. You want to eliminate any unnecessary bullshit. And also from a legal standpoint, you don't want to build a gun that screams, I'm looking for a fight, you know, I wish a motherfucker would. Uh, you see, you see a lot of this on kind of, uh, your Facebook gun groups where you kind of have the, uh, when, when I first bought my pistol, I bought it secondhand and it had a, it had a Glock plate. Um, so, you know, Glocks have a, a back plate and it was a, it was a custom Punisher one, which I fucking got rid of within the first week. Um, for one, I, I don't particularly care for custom back plates, uh, a lot of people, you know, they get all sorts of different symbols, like a little American flag, maybe a little Gadsden snake, whatever the fuck it might be, um, a Deadpool fucking logo, all sorts of dumb shit. Uh, you just, this is a tool. You want to keep it as simple as that. You want to keep it so it does its job. There's no distractions going on. The more kind of visual flair a pistol has, that might be cool for competitions. Looks good for Instagram, sure. But as a defensive tool... Don't overcomplicate it. If you have like an image that's going to potentially distract your eye, even even by fractions of a second, that's that's not ideal, is it? So I swap that out for just a stock backplate. Um, so you know my eye more quickly goes directly to my my sights, my optic, uh, gets me on target quicker. And you know that that might se seem like a silly concern. And of course, you know it's always fun to have meme guns, meme builds. But for the tool that you're carrying every day, and especially from a legal standpoint, you don't want something that says you're looking for a fight, that you're looking to escalate a situation to violence, you know. And that goes for really everything in your in your public life, in how your firearms look that you're potentially going to use to defend yourself. It fucking sucks. But you have to consider, um, you know, the the person who you're your life is potentially in the hands of the jurors, the judge, etc. Um, you don't want to give them the benefit of the doubt. They, they they, might fucking hate your guts. They might think you're scum for using a gun to defend yourself. And you don't want to give them any ammunition, if you will pardon the pun, to, uh, to confirm that, you know? We don't have to look any further than the Daniel Shaver case, where the cop had your fucked. Uh, on his service rifle, he had changed out the dust cover for a custom dust cover that said you're fucked. And 
you know, in his case, it worked out. He got away with it, impossibly. But we don't have the special citizen status of police. <laughs> we can't get away with shit like that. If someone breaks into your home, and you gun them down, and have a dust cover that says you were fucked, and you get 12 granola liberals who would have rather you just called the police and hid in your closet until they, you know, fucking beat your kid's head in, and, uh, and took all your shit, well, guess what? You're probably not in the best spot that it says you are fucked on your dust cover. Uh, you know, it's, it's just an unfortunate reality of the, the current, current uh, climate we live in. I, uh, I had a, a self-defense instructor who said you want the most boring looking firearm possible, and I agree to an extent, but he went, he went as far as saying you want like a wood furniture shotgun, and fuck that. I want the most efficient tool for the job of defending my life. I'm not going to go and make it, you know, some silly fucking comical bullshit that, you know, puts me in a bad light, but I am going to build a weapon that is as effective at the, the job that's intended for as possible. So, again, take all that with a grain of salt, that's my common sense, utilitarian kind of standpoint on all that. Kind of to, to wrap up on uh, more daily carry, for uh, again, for the newbies, because that's kind of the, the principal aim of this, daily carry is a hell of a thing to get into. It's, uh, like I said, it's a lifestyle change. And once you start carrying, you're going to think everyone in the fucking world knows you're carrying. And initially, you're going to... You're going to feel like a fucking weirdo, you're going to feel like an alien, you're going to think everyone, you know, it's like it's, uh, it's shining a light like the fucking Luxor in Vegas, out your, wherever, wherever it is on your person. There's a big neon sign on your back saying, I'm carrying a gun. It's important to, A, not look like you're carrying a gun as much as possible. Um, not having a big AR-15 on your shirt when you're carrying in a, in a place where you need to be more discreet. You know, there's a time and a place for that, the range. You know, sure, if you're in a in a especially gun-friendly environment, but you still don't want to be screaming if you're concealed carrying, which I would advise over open carrying because we always want as many tools in our box as possible. That includes the element of surprise. You don't want to be the first guy to to get gunned down because someone strolls in with a gun and sees you have a you know a Glock on your hip. You're the first guy who's an issue for him. If you just you know if if you're a a grubby little punk like me, <laughs> I don't look like I'm carrying a gun. I'm wearing a I'm wearing a dead Kennedy shirt. Uh, my fucking everything I'm wearing is frayed and looks like shit. I don't really scream, you know, five eleven, uh, <laughs> five eleven combat pants and uh, and a Magpul t-shirt and then a, a patch cap. You know, I'm I'm not that guy. <laughs> at least at least by appearances. And most of those guys are carrying a fucking Taurus anyway, or a, or a 1911 or some bullshit. So yeah, consider that when you're carrying, don't, you don't want to, you know, broadcast it, but beyond that, if you're concealing properly, if you're wearing a, you know, an appropriately length shirt, if you're wearing a good belt, using a good holster, being wise about kind of the colors you're wearing, you know, some shirts are more translucent than others, you're going to be able to see through it, um, some, you know, patterns help kind of cover printing, um, the tightness of a shirt, so, you know, you might have to, might have to change to a different size shirt, might have to change to a different brand that fits a bit more loosely, kind of helps cover up um, the fact that you're carrying. Uh, experiment with different carry positions, you know, different um, 
different kind of places on your belt where it's more comfortable, less comfortable, etc. Uh, where you feel more, you know, like you're doing a better job of hiding it. Um, and also something to consider is uh, just general movement in stores. Like, you might, just, just bending over, if you're carrying four o'clock, you might want to bend down a little bit different, you know, squat instead of bending at the waist. Uh, just simple things like that. And when you're reaching for something on a, on a high shelf at the store, you know, just be a little bit aware, maybe discreetly hold your shirt down with your other hand. Just little things like this, getting a good practice and just, you know, like when you get out of your car is a big one, especially if it's hot, you know, everything's stuck together. Um, <laughs> you just make sure, just, you know, you don't have to be really overt about it. You you probably will be the first month or so, but just getting a good habit of, you know, just very discreetly pulling your shirt, checking it, just making sure that you have confidence it's hidden, that you know it's hidden. Um, you don't want to walk around the store for 20 minutes and then get back in your car and realize your shirt was tucked behind the, the grip of your pistol, especially if you're in a, a state where people are going to freak out and, you know, you don't want the cops called on you. That's... That's a fucking bad time. Haven't had it happen to me, but heard plenty of horror stories. Something else to consider, something I kind of lightly brought up earlier, was um, legality. And, you know, that's something we kind of... We're not the biggest fans of on this show, as you may well know. Unless you're a newcomer, you just come across the uh, the title and you're looking for some kind of weird guidance and a Brit talking about uh, concealed carry and firearm ownership. Um, a lot of places... They might have signs where the business prohibits uh, carry. And, you know, a lot of people might get pissy and be like, Oh, wow, you're respecting their property rights. That's kind of hypocritical. Well, if they're not, you know, if they don't have, if a business doesn't have adequate means to protect my life, like a movie theater, and on the door they say no weapons, guess what? I'm not going to see that sign. <laughs> and um, it's... You know, it depends on your state, it depends on the local laws, but a lot of the time, um, well, it, it really does depend. Uh, definitely research your own local laws, but sometimes those signs might carry zero legal protection. Sometimes it has to be posted very clearly, and a lot of places, they want to be a bit more discreet. They don't, they don't want you walking into the business, you know, into a movie theater and thinking about guns, so they put it nice and low, kind of, you know, white text on a... On a, on a door, very easy to miss. And you can play dumb. It's always better to play dumb. If, if you find yourself in a compromised position where the very off-rare chance someone notices you're carrying and, like, calls you out on it, which damn near never happens, hasn't happened to me, and I've carried in plenty of places that, you know, they weren't welcoming gun owners with open arms. And, and you know, I prefer not to give them my business, but sometimes there's just no other option. Uh, you know, movie theaters are one that like the virtue signal. Sometimes it's easier to play dumb. And worst case, usually they can't call the cops on you. They, you know, maybe you'll get a Karen manager who does. Generally, it'll be a slap on the wrist and tell you to leave the business, and that's as far as it goes. And generally, it'll get to a please leave the business prior to that, or even, sir, can you please leave it in the car? And you'll just learn to conceal better next time. Uh, <laughs> Something else is crossing state lines, and that kind of brings you into a debate of if you want to get a uh, concealed carry license, which, you know, a lot of places are practicing uh, constitutional carry these days, which, you know, I'm of the mindset, concealed means concealed, 
but into you know it really depends on where you're going, what you're doing, uh, if you expect to encounter law enforcement or not. Um, completely your decision. You're all adults. This is not legal advice. This is completely your own decision. But concealed means concealed. That's why concealed carry is valuable. You can take a gun damn near anywhere, uh, unmolested, if you're concealing properly, if you're wise. Uh, something I like to do, you know, if, if, if it's warm out and I'm wearing a t-shirt and I'm covering it up, I might, you know, maybe wear a, either a, a very light hoodie or, you know, not, not, something like a Hawaiian shirt, like a short sleeve button up or something that I can keep open and kind of um, that extra material, like kind of loose extra material really aids in helping me conceal. You know, there's all sorts, of, all sorts of methods you can use to help you conceal a bit better, to make it less obvious. Legality in your state, whether you need a concealed carry license or not, obviously 50 states, very dependent on where you're at. But also, there's such thing as state reciprocity, where, you know, you cross from one state to another. Uh, perhaps in your state, you have constitutional carry, but the next state over, you need a concealed carry license. So, if you then get a local concealed carry license, um, though you don't need it, you can then use that in all, I, I think we're up to 28, 29 states, uh, I should have looked that up for this show, but um, this one was kind of off the dome, and because I wanted to do something different. You know, there's, there's a lot of states that have reciprocity, a lot that don't, um, just something to consider, because it's nice to not be worrying every time you see a cop drive by, um, again, completely your own decision. I respect anyone who, you know, takes it into their own hands and does it on their own, um, their own way. That's, you know, ideal and living by your principles. But, um, yeah, we all, we all have to make our own choice on that. So I'm not going to advise anyone to just outright, <laughs> I don't have to, don't have to say it, but make your own choice, know the laws, um, consider these things. Uh, if you do get a concealed carry license, they will fingerprint you and put you in a database. That's something for all my fellow tinfoil hat people to, to be aware of. Um, but, yeah, above all, concealed means concealed. And, you know, if you're going somewhere like California, there's even magazine limitations. They're very, very restrictive on, on carry, even if you're a local. All things to consider. I think that's where I'm going to end it. For this episode, kind of like a final note on if you want to get a, kind of revisiting the first question, if you want to get a pistol or rifle first, obviously a pistol you can use for, for self-defense, both in the home and out of the home, because you can conceal carry it on you, but I, I think in the future I will touch on um, more, more fully on home defense, so, you know, building a rifle that's, that's right for home defense, because believe it or not, the round, for, you know, for newbies, um, the round that an AR uses is preferable to 9mm. And so you saw kind of in the in the 90s, um, SWAT team switched from MP5s that use a pistol round to using uh, M4s, AR-type weapons that use 223. And that's because of over-penetration issues. So when it comes to uh, home defense, be very aware of, you know, um, your angles and stuff, because over-penetration is an issue, especially if you, you know, you, you want to be using hollow points. They're going to lose energy the quickest when they hit something that's solid, 
whether that's drywall or a human body, and you're going to be risking overpenetration a lot less if you're using hollow points, and even more so if you're using 223 hollow points over 9mm. So, obviously we want a weapon that does the job, that, you know, ends the threat, but we don't want something that's going to overpenetrate and potentially cause uh, more harm than it prevents. So, you know, whether that's uh, going into roommates' rooms, loved ones' rooms, uh, you know, into the, the neighbor's apartment if you're in an apartment block, um, you know, potentially even goes into other houses. And that, that happens when fucking cops raid places. They, you know, they lace a place up because they're having the little action man moment, not thinking about the bullets going into the next house and hitting a crib, hitting, you know, the sleeping couple, the sleeping kids. Um, so, yeah, overpenetration something to consider, something to research, and something to design a rifle around, But uh, especially for home defense. But that's something for another time. I hope this has been a, a useful episode if you're either learning this stuff for the first time or if you're considering teaching people how to shoot. Big information dump, you know, to do in a, an hour and 23-ish. So feel free, you know, take notes, pause it, etc. Um, revisit and feel free to comment with any questions, anything that I can expand upon in a future episode, uh, either an addition to this or a separate kind of more home defense or whatever oriented episode. And yeah, happy to, happy to do something different. It was kind of fun. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys, and I'll see you next time.